With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I am your host, Damon Martin, and I am joined once again by my good friend and one of the baddest welterweights on the planet, the immortal Matt Brown. Matt, welcome back. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me back, brother. Of course, of course. This is going to be a regular thing. For those that don't remember, of course, you and I co-hosted a podcast for a number of years uh, under several different names. Let's see. There was Legit Man Shit. There was uh, the Great MMA Debate. There was Fight. <laughs> there was there was Fight Society. We had a lot. We we, we were kind of like we didn't really settle on one name, but we did a podcast for like three years together. Yeah, yeah. We kind of never settled on what it was, right? Like it was just it kind of went all over the place, but we had a lot of fun with it and stirred up some noise here and there yeah so that's what we're doing now we're gonna stir up more mess and uh have some fun so you will be you'll be a regular co-host on this here program and of course since last time we spoke uh you co-hosted episode two since last we spoke you booked a new fight coming up in december you got it man what episode are you on now uh this is episode i believe nine okay just haven't missed too much yeah yeah you're back yeah. like i said you're you're in the, you're in the rotation so yeah, but yeah, getting ready for this fight in uh, December. Yeah, that's uh, that's been taking up a lot of my time, man. Been training hard and um, just getting prepared, man. I got a tough guy in front of me, underrated guy, man. I think uh, Barbarina, you know, is who I'm fighting, Brian Barbarina. You know, he's not, uh, tell a lot of people that that's who I'm fighting, and they're like, oh, I've never seen him fight, but I've seen him fight, and that guy can fight, man. He is a tough son of a bitch. 
Yeah, that dude, uh, that dude is well known for going to war. Like that's kind of his thing. Yeah. Like he's just an incredibly tough guy. It's hard to peg down where he's good in terms of like he's just kind of like a jack of all trades. But the one thing you can always say about Brian Barberina is he's incredibly durable, incredibly tough guy. Uh, and that that's always a challenge, right? Like I've talked. I remember when Roy Nelson was on that run where it just seemed like you couldn't knock the guy out, and it can be a little disheartening when you're hitting the guy with everything you got, and he just doesn't doesn't go down. So you have to. That's a certain mentality to go into a fight like that right yeah i mean you know i i personally don't really look too much about my opponent and what they're all about and what they're going to do i mean uh, but you know i could just kind of look at the basic fundamentals and what again i mean you you hit the nail right on the head that's what we know about brian barberina he's a tough guy to put down he's a tough guy to stop i don't know if he's ever been stopped um yeah well luke stopped him um you know, he's just a tough guy all around. He's going to be there the whole three rounds, the whole fight uh, until you put him out. So, uh, but for me, I'm, you know, I'm focused on myself, man. I'm going to try to get myself in the best shape that I can and be at the top of my game. And, you know, I've said it a million times, man. I know when I do that, like I can beat anybody. And um, I haven't always put enough emphasis on doing that. But when I do do that, I can beat anybody. Yeah, is uh, this is the now this is this fight's happening at the apex, right? It's a it's a fight and I don't yeah. pay. Okay, any disappointment you don't get the crowd back? Yeah, yeah, that sucks, man. You know, it is what it is. I'm not gonna think about it. Not gonna let it break me down. Or nothing. Um, but man, when I watch these cards now with the crowd, I'm like, God, I miss that so much. When <laughs> they told me I was on the apex, yeah, it uh, hurt a little bit. But you know, you gotta get in there and get it done and. Um, you know, uh, I go in there and put on a good win. Maybe they'll put me on a, a card with some fans next. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're – I mean, you're always a fan favorite. I mean, that's kind of the thing. When when Matt Brown fights, we know what we're getting out of a Matt Brown fight. Like, there's pretty much no questions asked. I mean, I think there's, there's, some, there's only a handful of guys like that. Like, when they matched up – Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz, even though it had been 17 years since their last fight, like we all knew kind of what we, we, even though Nick had been out for so long, we all kind of went in and said, you know what? This is going to be a fun fight. There's certain guys yeah. that you just kind of know. Like Vicente Luque is another. Every time I talk to Vicente, I'm like, dude, I appreciate you doing these interviews, but really we don't need to say anything. When you fight, you people, we just know what we're getting. Like with Matt Brown, we know what we're getting. It's going to be a fun fight. Even if it lasts like 30 seconds, it's going to be a fun fight. Yeah, it sucked that Nick came in, what like just out of shape or I don't know what he was doing, man. He looked dad bod. I mean, yeah, he looked terrible, man. But he goes out there and fights. He scraps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, yeah, he went out there and fought. It was a, a great fight. I just wish he would have been in really good shape, and yeah, you know, he didn't look sharp as usual. I thought, um, just didn't look himself. Um, and I would have liked to see that, man. I would like to see him and Robbie at their best. And Robbie looked really good. And uh, Nick just simply didn't, in my opinion. Yeah. It's like, like I said, there's there's guys that just show up. Robbie's, I, I, I think Robbie also, I think that, that kind of got Robbie going because Robbie hadn't looked at his best his last few fights either. And then he comes in there and looks really, truly motivated. Like he was on the attack. He was kind of not doing that his last couple of fights. He was kind of sitting back and waiting. Uh, and, and then he went on the attack. So like I said, it's a right bone. And with Brian Barberina, that's the guy you're not going to have to go hunting for. You kind of know that going in. Yeah. I get the feeling. Uh, we'll probably have a pretty good war. Um, you know, I think he'll probably be able to take a few shots, take a couple licks and, um, but I'll put him down, man. 
Yeah, I'm always kind of curious with records because this past weekend Jim Miller fought, and I don't know how well you know Jim. Jim's like the nicest guy. Jim's like the nicest guy in the world. He's certainly he's setting records. He's now got the most fights in UFC history with 38. He's coming close to the wins record, all those kind of things. And, and, you know, you talk to Jim about it and like, yeah, I mean something, but you know, he's just, he's a very humble guy. Doesn't matter. But you, of course you've got records too, with knockouts and things like that. You added to it with the, uh, with the Diego Lima fight. Does that matter? I'm curious. Like as a fighter, do you care about the records you set? Um, not at the time. It's cool to look back or, um, you know, tell other people about it or brag about it a little bit, I guess, uh, you know, tell your kids, you know, things like that's cool. But, you know, deep inside, it doesn't really matter, man. You know, just I'm probably similar to Jim Miller in that aspect where, you know, we're just grinders, man. We just love what we do, and uh, we're just happy to get in there and do it. And, you know, I'm going to try to knock someone out, whether it's for a record or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, you know, one thing that you've been doing a lot, you know, in these last couple of years that I, I know we've talked about it, but just so people know, like you've started your own gym you started coaching guys now. One of your guys, of course, just got into the UFC, A.J. Dobson, uh, on the Contender Series, got a big win, got signed to the UFC. And it's weird because I remember a couple of years ago when you talked about retirement, and then you come back from that, and like now like it just feels like you're more motivated than ever uh, to fight. I know part of that comes from the gym. Part of it comes from working with these other guys, becoming a coach. Like It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you're more motivated than ever now. Like you love it, and, and you really are more motivated than ever right now. Yeah, I think I love it more than ever. Um, definitely as motivated as I've ever been. And um, I think the short time that I technically retired uh, reminded me how much I love it and not to take it for granted. And there's we got a short window to get this done. And I'm blessed to have been able to do this as long as I have. And um, I just want to keep doing it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because I think that like when, cause when you talk to certain people, like there's no right or wrong way about doing this sport when you do it. And what I mean by that is like, you hear some guys say they're like, I know there's people who retired in their early thirties and they've stayed retired. And we see other people go deep into their forties. Like there's no right or wrong answer. If you're still peaking at the top of your physical game and you're still loving it, you know, you can do it. You know what I mean? Not everyone's going to have that, though. And so there's no right mm-hmm. or wrong answer when it comes to a career. Because I know, like I said, from talking to you and knowing you and seeing you in the gym, like, you you, you, you feel like almost like Matt Brown 3.0 right now, like in a weird way. Like, it feels like you're more motivated now than you were, you know, maybe, I'm not saying, like, you know, you were not motivated in your 30s, but like, it feels like you're even more motivated now. I'd say I'm as motivated maybe more maybe less i mean i don't know exactly how you gauge that but um i feel as good as i ever have man and um, i feel like my skills are still getting better i'm still improving i'm still uh everything is on the way up so um i still think there's a lot of big things that i can do out there um, i definitely want to have the knockout record um i definitely um you know want to get some more big fights man and uh, you know, I definitely want to fight in front of a fucking crowd again, man. <laughs> you know, there's no feeling like that in the world. So, um, you know, I'm staying at it, man. And I'm, I'm, uh, keep going, bro. I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the future. Um, I'm excited to get back in there again in December and put on a good show and, uh, see how much I've improved. Cause I think I've improved, uh, dramatically. Yeah. It's funny. I'm kind of curious. You know, Jim talked about this, not to bring back to Jim Miller. He talked about this 
on Saturday night. He fought a guy who had never been in the UFC before and won by knockout. Real impressive. Great win for him. Um, but afterwards, they asked him, like, do you mind fighting the new guys? Do you mind fighting the legends? He's like, yeah, it's fun to fight the legends, but, you know, I'm here to fight. Like, I like to fight. Doesn't really matter who it is. Uh, I'm curious because Brian, Brian kind of falls in that veteran category. Like, he's been around. He's fought some guys, man. He's a, he's a warrior. But, you know, of course, you had the Ben Saunders fight. You had the Carlos Conda fight. Condit, of course, since we last spoke, you know, announced his retirement. Um, but you fought, like, a lot of the legends. I don't know. Does one matter more to you than the other? Like, would you prefer a Brian Barbarina or a Diego Lima, guys that are veterans, guys that have been around, versus just some, you know, guy maybe making a UFC debut? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with, with Jim on that. I mean, I just like fighting. I, well, I love fighting. I just love being in there. I don't really care who's across the octagon from me as long as I'm in the octagon. Um, I mean, if I have a choice, like I'm going to pick the legendary guys just because I like the bigger fight. I like the bigger stage. I like the pressure, uh, things like that. But um, And a lot of times, like these newer guys, like I fought uh, Baeza, you know, and I didn't have any tape on him. Didn't. I think I've seen like one or two fights and he just knocked him out real quick. And, you know, you don't really know what you're getting. So uh, I think that's the only thing reason what i would like to fight a a, a guy a, a guy that's been around a little bit longer um but other than that yeah i'm kind of with him I, I like to be in the octagon there's, there's no better place in the world yeah absolutely i know going into this fight it's all about having the right support around you i mentioned the gym you got a lot of great people you're working with out there at the gym it's also about people supporting you outside the cage and you start working with a new company too going into this one that actually i've read about i've heard about i've seen it on twitter tell me about these guys Oh, yeah, you're talking about uh, Routine. Routine, um, that's yeah. That's a great company. It's helped me a lot. They, um, what they do is they take your blood and your DNA, and they actually fine-tune the nutrients. Uh, it's basically like a multivitamin with a bunch of nutrients in it, and they fine-tune it to exactly what um, your body needs. So you're not taking too much of some things and not taking not enough of other things. Um, rather than so rather than just a generic multivitamin or generic uh, pills that you're taking is you know exactly what you need and you're getting exactly uh, how much you need on a daily basis so um, that's been a game changer for me it's made me feel so much better already I've only been doing it for uh, like a month but uh, it's been amazing for me how crazy is it to think about something like that where they're literally fine-tuning your vitamins to your specificity to your blood type to your body versus like probably when you started fighting like you're you know, rolling down to walmart picking up the uh the central yeah. vitamins like it's such a far cry like how far we've come in terms of the way they can fine-tune things for your body when you get ready for a fight and then also we got to be honest things like this are why you're able to keep going uh when you're you're such a veteran like you know what i mean like your 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 body's in tune like i know you're incredible you're in incredible shape and a big part of that comes down to the kind of workouts you're doing the kind of gym the things you're doing in the gym but it also comes down to like things like this yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I didn't even take vitamins and stuff for the longest time. I just didn't even think about it. Um, I, I think it was probably only five years ago or so I started taking like a multivitamin, vitamin D and all these different things. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing now the technology they can do. And, and I, I think you hit the nail right on the head, man. The, the stuff that we do outside of the gym is probably – you know, as important, if not more important, the things we do inside the gym, anybody can go in and do a hard workout and stress your body. And, and, you know, there's martial arts gyms everywhere. You can go 
practice your boxing and your Muay Thai, your Jiu Jitsu, anywhere. And we're all learning the same stuff. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, uh, four, maybe six hours out of the day if you're a professional athlete like me. So what are you going to do those other 18, 20 hours out of the day? Uh, you know, uh, that's what can really make a, a difference when you talk about the uh, the fine tuning of a professional athlete. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, there's a lot more that goes into a fight. We know, uh, as we shift gears out of your fight, Matt. Of course, you know, beyond your own fighting, we've talked about this many times. When your fighting career is finally done, whenever that happens, you are going to shift fully into into coaching mode. And as you said many times, you believe when it's all said and done, you'll be a better coach than even you were a fighter. And you're already working with a lot of fighters right now. Um, this past weekend. At the UFC Vegas 40 event, Aspen Ladd fought Norma Dumont in the main event. There was a lot of controversy during and after the fight about the corner advice that Aspen Ladd was getting from her coach, uh, who is also her boyfriend, uh, Jim West. And uh, now, if you listen to it, uh, BT Sport posted a little clip of it earlier today. If you listen to the early rounds, there's a lot of technical advice. By the third round, after kind of a lacking performance from Aspen Ladd, her coach kind of ramped things up a little bit. So I'm going to play a little clip. If you missed some of the Cordy audio, uh, I know this wasn't the most compelling UFC event in history, so you may not have seen this main event. But let me play you a little clip. Now, to be clear, this is just a real clip, a little one-minute clip. This is from later in the fight. Earlier in the fight, her coach was giving her technical advice when things didn't really start to happen. And if you watch the fight, you know it was a whole lot of not much going on. Uh, by the end of the third round, her coach was pretty adamant about what she needed to do to win the fight. Uh, and so this is her coach, Jim West, giving her advice in the corner. Here we go. You're down three to zero. Please, please tell me what you're doing. You have to throw yeah, more than one punch. Yourself. You got You got to get into the fight it's time to fight it's the fourth round you're down three to zero pick it up okay fight to win fight to win every second of every minute of every round you have to finish this broad now if you're down three to zero you got to pick it up that doesn't mean be careless but lead from the backside and set the combinations up and change your levels continue to try to wear her down but if you don't pick up the pace she's going to continue to stay on the outside and try to pick you apart with the simple one two okay no that's more, all she's no doing single shot you've already closed the distance hey I don't honestly. I don't know what you're doing. You like, close the distance you and you're jumping out. Like how you finished. I don't know what you're waiting for. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting okay. for? You have cardio through the days. Push the pace. Now you have to. Now you have to. You have to go balls to the wall. Air, ca caution to the wind, and you gotta go. You're down basically four nothing. You may have won that last round. Either way, you have to finish it. So I don't know what you're doing. You gotta leave every ounce of you out there. All right, so Matt Brown, as a coach, as a fighter, uh, your input is going to be more valuable than anybody. What did you make of her corner, and are people overreacting to what he said to her? Um, yeah, at first, I think it's pretty complicated uh, to start off with, especially being with their boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, that makes the situation already more um, complicated than just a simple coach uh, um, coach athlete relationship, but I do think people are overreacting. Um, now in the, in between the, the fourth and the fifth round there, I didn't like where he's kind of saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, stuff like that. Um, that's certainly not helping anything. Um, but I think he knows that too. Um, I, I don't think Misha Tate was right in saying it was abuse. I don't think he was being, uh, abusive. Uh, 
Um, I think you probably seen her say that, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, to be honest, I think that he was uh, trying and just didn't know what to say. And that was sort of his default was to get angry about it. And the the one thing that I think where he didn't respect was it was partially about, you know, what Aspen Ladd was not able to do. Um, but a huge part was about what Norma Dumont was able to do. And that's the whole part I think a lot of people are missing. Like, like she performed really, really good. And you can't take that away from her. Aspen had uh, very few answers for anything that Norma was doing. And the answers that her coach gave her, even in the earlier rounds, uh, when he was given the more technical advice, really probably wasn't going to change if she, even if Aspen would have followed it to the T, it probably wouldn't have changed what was happening. Norma was just too good for her. Um, now, when he was kind of saying throw caution to the wind, I like that. You know, I think he was right on on with things like that. But um, you know, it, it's hard to. It's easy first to criticize him uh, sitting here, but um, you know, it's a it's a difficult situation that he was in, and. Uh, I, I do think people are overreacting, I think is the easiest way to say it. But, um, you know, I think he, he certainly could have done better, but and, and hopefully he learns from that and does better. Yeah. Here's my thing. First yeah, of all. I want to hear your, your side of this because I know you, you're, you're going to be really critical. Yeah. For, well, no, actually, I'm going to be critical to people, uh, people reacting, overreacting to him. Okay. I, I think, okay. listen. First of all, it's not a one-size-fits-all with cornering. It's just not. I mean, what one fighter needs from their coach is not what the next fighter needs. That's a relationship between the coach and fighter. What you need as a fighter in the corner, Matt Brown, is maybe not what Aspen Ladd needs in the corner. You know what I mean? Like, that's not – there's not a one-size-fits-all. I made a mistake when Lauren Murphy was fighting Valentina Shevchenko and she was just not there. She just wasn't there – and her coach, who is also her husband, her her head coach had gotten like COVID protocol. He couldn't get in the building. So her, her husband, who was like her jujitsu coach, had to kind of shift into like head coach mode. And in the corner, he was saying, you're doing good. You know, he's like basically pumping her up when reality, she was losing the fight. And I said, man, like, you got to be honest with her. Like, you got to tell her, like, she's losing this fight. But then afterwards, Lauren addressed it and said, well, first off, he's not really my, you know, he's not really supposed to be there doing that anyways. And second, like, I kind of needed the positivity. And then I was like, you know what? You're right. I can't tell you what you need. You need what you need. You know what I mean? And you have that relationship with your coach. I don't know what Aspen's relationship is with Jim West as a coach, meaning maybe she needs that. Maybe she's told him through coaching sessions, through training sessions, through whatever, that maybe she needs to get a kick in the ass in the fourth round if she's not performing. We don't know that. Also, I think that people are overreacting because the reality is if you listen to his coaching early in the fight, he was giving her technical advice. She wasn't doing what he was asking her to do. And if you listen to a lot of fighters who are like super in tune with their coaches, like there's some fighters who work with like Mark Henry and certain coaches, they're like, I kind of pretend like I'm a video game. They yell what me to do and I do it. Now that's not going to be everybody though. That's my point. It's not a one size fits all. I think, and I, I respect Misha Tate so much. I love Misha Tate. I, I really do. I adore Misha Tate, but to call it abuse, I think is ridiculous because, uh, it's not, 
yes, he was berating her, but are we pretending that Aspen was having a good fight and she and he was doing that on top? No. She wasn't doing anything. And yeah, so for no, him to for him to say, I don't know what you're doing out there, my first thought was, well, you're speaking for the rest of the audience as well, because I don't know what she was doing out there. Like she wasn't reacting and it wasn't and I agree with you, let's pay credit to Norma Dumont for doing a great job. But at the same time, it wasn't like Norma was just demolishing her. It wasn't like she was knocking her down with every third punch. She was basically, as he said, using a one-two, a good jab. And she didn't have to do anything else. Norma didn't have to do anything else because Aspen never made any adjustments. And Norma may not have been hurting her, but Norma was taking her to school. She was running a clinic on her. She was. With that one, two. And and, uh, if you've ever boxed or or kickboxed with someone that has a really good movement and really good one, two, like Norma did in that fight, I mean, that could be a, a lot of rounds can go just like that. And why would you pick it up and take chances and throw power shots when that's all you have to do is touch them and, and move away? And that's a, a great skill to have. But um, I, I still, I would, the only thing I would say is he did not need to berate her. Uh, I don't, like, there's no proper, there's no time in, in, in coaching history where that's going to be, that's going to get your athlete moving. You know what I mean? Like putting her down, saying, what are you doing out there? Things like that. That is not, uh, you know, but that's also coming from me who's been doing this for a very long time. I've been in many corners, uh, seen how people have reacted. And I've probably said those types of things before. But I also know, like, that's not, you know, you're trying to get her to, um, you know, start being more active and, and do certain things. Asking her what she's doing is not going to accomplish that. Period. Like it, it doesn't really matter who you are. So I wouldn't necessarily say I agree with it. But I, honestly, I could look at nine out of ten corners and say I don't know why they're saying that or why they're saying it the way that they are, and, and say that the exact same things that I would say about Jim West corner. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, I think what happened was that he did you know, maybe poor cornering towards the end. You know, I wouldn't say it was quality cornering by any means. I think it was poor cornering. But also, Aspen continued to look worse and worse. Well, maybe she, she looked a little better, I guess, in the maybe fourth and fifth round. But she didn't really accomplish much more. So we're going to look at it and say, you know, oh, you know, that cornering made it uh, worse or, or whatever, right? When maybe it was just that Norma is that fucking good. Yeah. Well, the other criticism I have is that generally speaking, when you, when you hear about when people complain about a corner and and the advice they're giving, it's generally on the flip side, when the corner is not telling them the truth, when they're losing, they're down four rounds or down three rounds. They're still saying, you're doing great out there. You know, you're winning the rounds. And like everyone watching the fight is thinking, what are you watching? Like, what are you, why are you lying to them? You know what I mean? Like, why are you telling a fighter, something that's totally not true. And that's you. That's generally the criticism we hear of a corner when they're just blowing smoke. When you're like, what are you, what, why are you telling them they're winning rounds? They're not winning rounds. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a frustration part. This is the other side. Was it a little bit, was it a little more animated or maybe even a little bit, you know, meaner than it needed to be? Sure. But maybe that's the relationship they have. Maybe that's what she needed. I mean, she did actually react. Her best round was probably that fourth round. And that was after where he like literally was like, I don't know what you're doing out there. Uh, she, maybe that was the reaction she needed. I don't know. And I just think it's, 
the other, and I want to ask you this other thing, Matt, and this is kind of a sensitive subject and this kind of takes it, but are we maybe reacting curiously? I'm just curious. Are we reacting this way because it was a, a, a male coach yelling at a female fighter versus if that had been, you know, uh, I think he coaches Max Griffin, you know, welterweight, UFC welterweight. If he had said that to Max Griffin or he said it to, you know, some other, if he had said it to a, a male fighter, would we be reacting so harshly? Like, I wonder if there's not a little bit of sexism into it. You know what I mean? Like, because I've heard, <laughs> I've heard some pretty crazy things in corners of being said between fighter and coach. Uh, I mean, I've heard like full on like shouting matches in the corners of coaches and fighters before. Uh, and everyone just kind of laughs or says, well, maybe that's what he needed. Uh, I don't know. Are we, are we overreacting a little bit because of that, that dynamic? That's a good question. I don't have an answer to that. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. That's yeah. why we're overreacting. Yeah, I think that's a valid question. And again, like I said, I could look at nine out of ten corners and criticize them and say, I don't know why you said that the way you said it or, or whatever. Um, and a lot of that, I mean, uh, regardless of who the fighter is, you know, there's, there's just certain, you, you know, these guys, a lot of them, I feel like the the majority of corners, like they don't really study um, psychology or how to corner, you know, like a motivation and, and things like that, like uh, how to speak, you know, how to use verbal cues. Um, a lot of them, you know, are really just kind of uh, fly by the seat of their pants, you know, and, you know, maybe they have a game plan or, or whatever, but, you know, there's a, there is a, a huge psychological component and, you know, to creating motivation and to getting someone to do what you want them to do. Um, and I, honestly, I don't, I just don't think a lot of them actually have any clue They're they're just uh, doing what they would do in the gym every day. And, and it's unfortunate because they probably get a decent paycheck for it and probably don't put much of anything into it. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I think the biggest my, my biggest takeaway here is this, and 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 please feel free to disagree with me. One, um, I really don't think like I really don't feel like you did anything wrong. But two, we don't know what that relationship is. Maybe that's what she requires out of her coach. Uh, you know, three, uh, I just think that you know it's. I mean, doesn't the fighter owe some responsibility if they're not reacting, like if they're not doing what they're being, you know, if they're not doing what they're doing? aren't the coaches there to motivate? I mean, again, everyone's got a difference. Some people may not want that. I, I hear a million different people in the corners and I, I, I compliment, like I'm a big, big fan of hearing like Eric Nixick in the corner. James Krause does a great job. There's a lot of great coaches, but every fighter is different. What you need in the corner and I'm sure you discussed that with your coaches and you're a coach yourself, Matt. Like what you need in the corner may not be what Aspen Ladd needs. I don't know what she needs. Maybe Jim West does. Uh, maybe he was a little harsh. Maybe, you know, literally saying, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what maybe that added to the context of it, but maybe she needed that kick in the butt. Maybe that's what she requires when she's not performing. I don't know. And I think it's unfair for anyone to really criticize that without knowing that now if Aspen Ladd comes out and says, I was nearly in tears because he was berating me, then maybe we have a different reaction, but she hasn't said that she didn't come out and say, you know, I felt disrespected or my coach is being mean to me or any of that kind of stuff. She hasn't said that. So I just, I don't think it's our place to judge him based on this one particular interaction when Aspen was not having a good night, Norma Dumont was winning handily and doing a great job. She really didn't have any answer for that. 
And I think he was just kind of dumbfounded, like, what are, what are you doing? Like, what what's going on out there? And maybe he expressed it a little more vehemently than maybe you or I would have. But again, I don't know that that's not what she, maybe that's exactly what she needed. And that's the only place I would disagree is that I have a hard time believing anybody would need uh, exactly what he said. And uh, again, I don't necessarily fault him for it. I just, I just think it's uh, poor coaching. Um you know, and again, I can find it's not like he's the only one there. I think there's hundreds of them. Um, so, you know, I don't I, I don't necessarily fault him and I don't um, I don't think it's a unique thing. Um, you know, he was a little more animated than a lot of people. Um, and obviously they're in the apex. Like you can hear it like very, very clearly and loudly. Right. And 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 it's you know very prominent right there in front of your face. And then, of course, you get the 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 breakdown on BT Sport where you hear every uh, everything from beginning to end. Um, I think he could have added a lot more to the conversation. Um, you know, I wouldn't want someone coaching me like that. But um, and uh, you know, I highly doubt that that was what she needed. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I again, I think I, I would just kind of end it with like, it's no worse than most of the corners I see. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Like, like it's it's I don't know why uh, people want to single out this one or, or call it abuse or anything like that. You know, it's certainly um, nothing like that. But it, it didn't. I think a, a lot of those particularly like like the, what are you doing out there? Like you have one minute in the corner. Like you have to take uh, advantage of every single second. Every single thing you say is important because you have one minute. And the corner, and the, the the athletes only going to remember a very small portion of that. Uh, even if you know, if you repeat one thing over and over in the corner, like it's going to be hard for them to remember it when they get out there. So if, I think that, regardless of the athlete, if the first thing that you're doing is saying, "What are you doing out there?" You're immediately bringing the athlete down right there, you know, negatively. Yeah. And regardless yeah. of what they're doing or or who the athlete is, I don't think that's going to be a, a positive. Uh, thing to add into the conversation so again I, I would call it poor cornering but no worse than the vast majority that you see out there yeah i agree i agree we're this close to crowning an nba champ and with the action heating up on the court it's even hotter at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code vox mma that's code vox mma for new customers to get a no sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, let's shift gears, Matt, because another big subject that's come up in these past couple of weeks, you know, I talked about it last week uh, or two weeks ago on the show. I had Ryan Bader on as co-host and we talked about the situation with John Jones and I'm not going to rehash everything going on with John Jones. But, of course, he's back in the public spotlight for all the wrong reasons after his recent domestic violence arrest. And then just this week, we heard about another apparent alleged, let me say alleged, incident involving Conor McGregor outside the cage. He allegedly punched an Italian DJ while he's on vacation in Rome, allegedly broke his nose, got into some altercations. And what I want to talk about, I'm not going to sit here and judge Conor. I'm not sitting here judging John because I'm not going to rehash past episodes. But... One question I have, or one, one topic I want to talk about, Matt, is the UFC's code of conduct. Because the UFC has a code of conduct for athletes. They instituted this a few years ago. And it basically reads just like the, U, the NFL or the NBA or any other major sports league, which basically says any behavior that can be deemed detrimental to the league you know, can result in some sort of punishment. So it's a really broad, you know, it's just like in the NFL, you getting arrested, even if you don't get charged, even if you get the charges dismissed, they can still punish you because technically getting arrested in and of itself is quote unquote detrimental to the league. The UFC has that same right. Now, difference is we saw Luis Pena last week got arrested again for domestic violence, second arrest in four months, dropped, released. And you know what? I don't disagree with that decision, but then you have John Jones. There's like silence. No one's really saying anything. This is, I think, his fifth or sixth arrest beyond the domestic violence, which to me is the worst part of it. Uh, but fifth or sixth arrest, no real, no, nothing really said. Connor, same thing. He's been in trouble over and over and over and over again, uh, and no real repercussions. I'm just curious, Matt, like as a fighter, should the UFC be doing more to curb behavior? Or can the UFC do anything more to curb this kind of outside the cage behavior? Because it's not like they're punching an opponent after the bell and the commission can come after them. This is stuff happening outside the cage. Yeah, you know, Damon, you're probably, I, I would argue you're as qualified to answer this question as me. Like, <laughs> you know, like this kind of stuff has nothing to do with, you know, fighting or anything. So, um, I don't fucking know, man. Like, what do you do? You know, like, uh, of course they don't want to cut John or Connor. Those are the two top draws, right? Is there anybody bigger draw than either one of those two? I mean, John's, you know, the probably the greatest in history. Connor's the biggest draw in history. Like, like what do you do? You know, so I don't, I don't know what the answer there is. I, I really don't. Um, other than, you know, maybe like try to help these guys, right? Like try to help Luis Pena. Um, which I have no idea what his situation is. I, I just read the uh, headline. Um, so I have no idea what, about that situation, if it's uh, worth helping him or anything like that. But, um, 
that, that's about the only thing that I could even think of, right? Is yeah, maybe try to get these guys into a rehab or or whatever kind of uh, therapist or, or whatever could help them, right? Yeah, I think I think the difference for me, Matt, is this. Like again, I'm not going to sit here and rehash it. I'm not judging, although I guess I kind of am. Uh, with John, it's different. John is on like you know five or six arrests in this one. When you get to me, domestic violence to me is a is a breaking point. You know what I mean? Like domestic violence when you're a professional fighter is not, no, I just, I, you don't come back from that in my opinion. And I'm not saying that he doesn't, I'm not saying fight, people don't deserve second chances. You absolutely do. Everybody does. Uh, but John's on like chance number like nine at this point, you know what <laughs> I mean? And, and now we got domestic violence on top of that. And again, I'm not saying the guy should be released, but again, the problem the UFC has, unlike other leagues and I'm defending the UFC here, and you'll probably agree with me on this, Matt. There's only so much they can do. You can either release them or, or you know, try to help them with rehab or therapy or whatever it is. Because it's not the NFL where you could sp- suspend somebody for four games. You know what I mean? John's already been out for a year and a half. What are they going to suspend him for? Another year? Like, he's already been out. Like, what? what's the what's that going to do? You know what I mean? Like, what are they – okay, we're going to suspend him for a year. Great. He's already been out for a year and a half. What does that, what does that really matter? Like what, you know what I mean? Like, and I think there's so much talk about fighter pay that I think finding fighters would actually work out worse for the UFC. And we're like, Hey, we got a guy making 25 and 25. We're going to pay it. We're going to hit him with a 50 K fine. Okay. You just took away all his money. Now people are going to complain. You're not paying him enough to begin with. So it's like, they're in a lose, lose situation because there's not really a punishment they can dish out outside of releasing a guy. Now with Connor, like you just like, at some point, Connor and, and Michael Bisping said this on his YouTube channel. They might, at some point, somebody's just got to sit Connor down and say, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing, man? Like you got all the money in the world, all the success in the world, all these things. Why are you out punching people? Why are you getting into fights with machine gun Kelly on a red carpet? Why, what are you doing? Like, what I don't, that's like, that's like, that to me is, that is, I know this sounds terrible. That's just stupid. Like, it's not even like, I'm not even like, I'm not mad about it. I'm just like, why are you doing this? Like, what is wrong that you're, you're getting into a freaking fight with machine gun Kelly on a red carpet? Like, what is that doing for you? That's getting a lot of PR. Right? <laughs> yeah. All PR is good PR, right? I guess, but it's just like. Like with Connor, there's less because Connor's the biggest superstar in the sport and all these kind of things. But at some point, like, I don't know. I, here's the problem: I don't know what they can do to punish him. Like, what can they yeah. do? They can. They're not going to release Connor, and I, I don't think they should. I think Connor, what Connor is doing, as stupid as it is, it's not, you know, the end of the world. And also, to be fair, I think the NFL and some of these other leagues out there, you know, they're so harsh with their penalties. I think they go overboard because everyone's so reactionary. You know what I mean? Like you get arrested immediately. You got to get dropped. Like, okay, let's, you know, take a step back. Like, let's find out what actually happened. Let's, you know, hear all the relevant, you know, all the stuff that's going on with the case. But basically the, the UFC's only recourse is release. Well, they're not going to release Connor. You and I both know that. You and I, if, if Connor was, if Connor didn't get released for attacking a bus full of UFC fighters with a moving dolly, they're not going to release him for punching some random Italian DJ uh, in, in Rome. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So I don't know what they do with Connor. John, I think, is in a different situation because John, this is a pattern of behavior. DUI hit and runs yeah. uh you know and now domestic violence 
that's where I think, John, you're getting to a breaking point, especially when Luis Pena gets arrested for domestic violence. You release him. But Jones, you're kind of silent on. That's where That, to me, is a worse look. Connor, again, I think Connor is just being dumb, and someone needs to set Connor aside and say, dude, like, seriously, like, stop. Stop right, doing right. what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it sucks because it's, kind of, it's hypocritical, no doubt, right? Like, it's, you know, treating one person different than another. Um, so they're not really following that uh, – uh, code of conduct policy are they but i don't know what the answer is i can't say that i have a good solution for that to be honest well i think you're in the same boat as everybody though right i mean really there's not a perfect answer like that's what i said like your only recourse of action is releasing them like that's pretty much it because i mean connor's out for a year with a broken leg what are you gonna do suspend him for six months he's not gonna fight in six months anyhow like what what are you right. you're gonna you're gonna knock connor fifty thousand dollars that's like he's got that in his in the you know in the couch cushions of his house yeah, uh, you know, you're yeah. not really hurting maybe they could at least do it just for uh pr purposes all yeah. right like, you know just a suspension even if they know he's going to be out just say look well we suspended him we did our part yeah, I think I think John is the worst one because of Luis paying the situation. Luis gets you know dropped within days of his yeah. second arrest. John, it's just kind of radio silence. You know what I mean? And and I again, I think when you get to domestic violence, because again, it's just like crimes. I mean, just like crimes like anything else, there's gonna be there's gonna be levels. You know what I mean? Like getting into a stupid altercation outside a club with Machine Gun Kelly, as dumb as that was, no one got hurt. You know, and it, it was just stupid. Like it was just a stupid thing to do. Uh, and you shouldn't do it, but you know, you're not gonna release a guy over that. John Jones, on the other hand, you can make an argument, man. Like you can make an argument as great as he is. And I agree. I think he's the greatest of all time. Uh, you can make an argument on like chance number nine. And now we got domestic violence piled on top. You're kind of like, you know what? Maybe it's diminishing returns. Maybe this is the time where we finally make a stand and say, you know what? We just can't for now. We can't be associated with this guy. Like, again, I'm not saying they should, but, like, I think that's, like, there's got to be a breaking point, right? You can't get away with it forever. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear the UFC's take on this um, if, whenever they speak about it. I haven't heard anything so far. Um, I'm sure the question to be asked at some point, uh, whether it's a Dana or to one of the reps or something. And I think it'd be interesting to hear, you know, what their reasoning behind it is. Yeah, Dana said something to the effect of, when it first happened, he just said it's not even surprising anymore, and I would agree it's not. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, but and I, that's a problem with a guy like John, right? Like you don't want it to be like when you get arrested, you're just like, oh man, here we go again. Like it's number nine, you know? Like dude, like at some point you're just like you got to clean your act up. And and the problem is, I think what John's having now is he's had so many second chances. I think people are just kind of giving up on him. You know what I mean? Like you're just like at what point do we just say enough? So I can't, I can't. I can't say you're getting a second chance now because it's no longer a second chance. It's a ninth chance. And now you're getting arrested for domestic violence. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, again, they're two totally different instances, but I feel like the UFC has been wildly inconsistent with their reactions. Yeah. Which is, uh, again, I, I don't have answers. <laughs> that's a, that's a very tough one, man. Hopefully, uh, it all gets figured out though. And, you know, hopefully these guys just get their lives figured out, man. I think that's the big, tra biggest tragedy in the whole thing, right? These guys have a, a lot going for them, uh, great careers ahead of them, uh, a lot of money, and um, they all have kids, man. So hopefully they just get their lives cleaned up and take care of their, their families. It's like uh, it's like the notorious B.I.G. said once upon a time, mo' money, mo' problems. I heard that. No <laughs> money. 
more problems too, <laughs> no money <laughs> no money more problems too. i agree that's absolutely true uh last thing before we get out of here today matt we got another ufc event coming up on saturday uh ufc fight night from vegas marvin vittori taking on paulo costa Big middleweight fight. Both guys are actually coming off losses to Israel Adesanya. Uh, much different fights, however. Marvin went all five rounds in a decision loss to Adesanya. Costa got knocked out first or second round. I can't remember what it was. Uh, pretty pretty bad performance that night. Now they're fighting each other. A win you know, gets the guy back in contention. A loss will definitely knock them down a little bit. I'm curious your thoughts on this one because it's an interesting stylistic matchup because you got Costa who is typically known as like this ultra aggressive big puncher. Uh, and you got Vittori, who's a little bit more of a technician, you know, good ground, good, good ground game, solid striking, really good in the clinch, things like that. Uh, but I think the bigger question with this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, is I'm not sure what Paulo Costa we're going to get because when you look at him against Joel Romero, he came out like a ball of fire and he looked like he had cardio for days. Uh, you look at his fight against Adesanya, he, I mean, and I know he's talked about all the things he had going on and drinking a bottle of wine before the night before the fight and all this kind of stuff, but you look at that fight and you're kind of like, I, that was just, that was like completely unrecognizable from him. Yeah, uh, man, what a great matchup. That I think that's what it all comes down to. This is just a great uh, matchmaking by the UFC, and you know, these are the two uh, best fighters in the division maybe uh, other than Whitaker, um, outside of uh, Adesanya and Whitaker, I would say. So uh, I think it's just an exciting matchup. I think you hit the nail on the head, too. With We just don't know what Costa we're going to get. Uh, I think probably six, seven out of ten times, I would probably pick Vittori to wear him down and wear him out, um, you know, grind him against the cage, you know, put a lot of pressure on him, wear him out. Um, but... I also think Costa could probably handle that and put it on him. So, boy, this going to be a real interesting one. And I'm a little 50-50 on this one, maybe 55 for our boy Vittori. Yeah, I think I think the five rounds favors Vittori because he's got. we've seen him go five rounds, hard five rounds. Costa is such a fast starter, and I know he went three hard rounds with Yoel Romero, but three rounds is not five rounds. And we got to be honest, we've seen a lot of guys go three rounds and then getting that fourth or fifth round, there's just nothing left. And, and like I said, the honest, I just got more questions about Costa right now. I don't know what he, you know, some guys, and you know this, Matt, some people just don't recover from a loss. You know what I mean? Like some guys have a really bad performance and a really bad night. And everyone's questioning them. And then they just don't come back the same. And I don't know. And I talked, and look, Grant, I talked to Marvin last week. He sounds like, you know, he's still irritated by the way the, the Adesanya fight played out. But, it was. It sounded like he got fired up from that fight with Costa. I don't know. Like he took so much criticism and he started drinking wine and all this, like all this weird, bizarre stuff. I'm kind of like, maybe he just doesn't come back from that. Like you know what I mean? Like because some guys don't. No, that uh, mental side, man. I think that's a really, really great point, and I think that's why I lean towards Vittori a little more. I think mentally, um, he just seems a little more possessed, a little more fired up. He looks a little more. Um, eager and hunger to get back to that rematch and and Costa seems a little bit uh, deflated maybe from that Adesanya fight yeah there's a hangover right we've seen it there's a hangover from a yeah. bad fight or a bad title fight you know a lot of guys a lot of girls come off a title fight loss they just don't look the same the next time out uh, I don't get that sense for Vittori I kind of kind of get that sense from Costa a little bit I gotta be honest 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, I think it's a great, great matchup, man. And I'm really excited to see that fight. I think it's going to be a, a very intriguing fight. And, um, but I could see Costa definitely coming out and putting it on him early. Um, if Vittori can weather the storm, um, I think, again, the, like you said, the five rounds favors Vittori. And I think that would be a huge difference maker. I think with his mentality, you know, he's a come forward, um, a tough guy. Um, you know, it's just Costa could really – um, put it on a bad at the beginning and, and really change the rest of the fight. Yeah. One thing I will say real quick before we get out of here, we've never really seen Vittori put into serious trouble, though. You know what I mean? Like, he's a smart enough fighter defensively that he, even with Adesanya, like, Adesanya never truly had him hurt. Like, he never had him, like, to the point where, like, oh, man, it's almost over. Vittori's very smart defensively, and I think that bodes well for him against a guy like Costa, who's so aggressive and such a big power puncher. As long as he can avoid those power punches and maybe get a takedown or just get the clinch, you know, slow down Costa, I think that's where he can take over. And again, that's why I favor Vittori in this fight. I think he is the smarter, more technical fighter, and as long as he doesn't get caught early, which anybody can get caught, uh, I just think he's got more, more ways to win. And I don't have questions about Vittori the way I have questions about Costa. Yeah, so I think we're probably right on the same where we lean towards Vittori. But, boy, if Costa goes out there and beats him, I don't think no one's going to be surprised, right? Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I look forward. This is a good one. i got to be honest, last couple of main events have been kind of like, eh, all right. Uh, this one's great, man. This is a great main event. That'll lead right into the UFC 267 with two title fights and some great matchups on that card from Abu Dhabi. Uh, Matt Brown, where can people find you? You are on Twitter. I am uh, the Immortal is your Twitter handle. And, uh, of course, the gym, Immortal Martial Arts. Anywhere, anything else you got going on right now? No, those are the two big ones, man. Instagram, I am the immortal. Facebook.com slash I am the immortal or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Google me. You'll find it. Yeah, you'll find it. You'll find it. All right. Well, Matt, I appreciate you doing this. We will be back. We're going to do something cool in a couple of weeks for uh, UFC 268. I think you're going to come back and do something cool for that. Uh, I'll tease that a little bit later at a downtime. But, uh, Matt, appreciate you doing the show today. Uh, we will catch up again soon and uh, look forward to having you back on the show in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as All always, right. brother. Talk to you soon. All right. See you. There he is, Matt Brown, the immortal. And we're going to get out of here. Obviously, want to say a big thank you to everyone tuning in to The Fighter versus The Writer. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, all those places. And, of course, you can always find the podcast over on MMAfighting.com. We will see you guys next week for another edition. See you then. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. 
The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes, and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.